You're listening to the Hope and Heartfields podcast where we are exploring the intersection between racial justice and pop culture and looking for practical insight for social progress. I'm one of your hosts, Andre Henry. And I am the other host, Trish's. <laughs> and as always, we have an interesting conversation for you today talking about AI and, you know, what's going on with AI and pop culture. But before we get into that, Trish, how are you doing? What's going on with you these days? You know. The week was a roller coaster. Had a roller coaster of a week and mm-hmm. have been trying to just ground myself um, because I have a tendency to really base my happiness on external circumstances and base my mm-hmm. value on external accomplishments. Um, yeah. And that is an easy recipe for living an unhappy life. So, um, I have been really focusing on what I'm in control of and on doing Mm -hmm. things in my everyday life that bring me joy or finding joy in the everyday things I have to do. Um, yeah, I had, um... Over the weekend, I got to go to a really cool event at the Line Hotel downtown called Project Utopia, and it's mm-hmm. an amazing, um, an amazing organization called Sustain Frame. Um, had contacted me a few weeks ago about possibly doing an immersive experience with them, and I would love to do that. Um, that's not like concrete or in the books yet. But they did an experience out here in LA on Sunday called Project Utopia. And it was really focused on um, the link between um, environmental justice and social justice in a broader context. So we did a lot of really fun stuff. We made potions. I don't really know what that means. Potions? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of um, potions? Like like magic? Someone um one of the workshops was potion making and mm. the teacher brought in these flower essences and we like concocted mm-hmm. from the flower essences these little like potions to like put in your to put in your water and stuff like that. Um Because, like, flower energies are supposed to be good for you. And we made salves Mm -hmm. out of, like, things that we think of as weeds. So, um, chickweed is one of them we used. And great plantain is one that has no no relation to the plantains, the banana-like things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the first funny. time I ever heard someone say plantain, plantain, I was like, what are you talking about? I know it's I funny really because because I have like a Valley Girl accent. My inclination is to say plantain, but I feel like I'm supposed to say plantain because of the way I am speaking. Right. Yeah. I, so I hear you. 
I say plantain, but um, but with my parents, I will say plantain. Um, anyways, so we made salves, and then there was this beautiful dinner. They like mm-hmm. got one of the sweets, and they presented this beautiful dinner. Um, and it was mostly organized by women of color, and uh, the dinner was like a grazing dinner, so it was like very filling filling it was very filling mm. but it was like laid out like um i can i don't know like like orders i guess so that was really fun that was my week how are you doing it seemed like a very la thing like everything <laughs> you said is like you don't do these things in stone mountain georgia i tell you that much <laughs> you know what's funny it was super la it was super la but I really did love the intentionality behind it. So during the dinner, we also did a, um, they also did a panel and they talked about a lot of really interesting stuff about community and capitalism and food and agriculture and and all of the links between them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think about environmental justice that often. Really? Not as much as I think about all the other ones, <laughs> all the other justices, yeah. even though they are like <laughs> intersectional and linked, right? Um, yes, yes. So it's it's good for me to get more of that kind of stuff in my general consciousness. Yeah, but it I was, think it about was very environmental LA. justice. <laughs> I think about environmental justice a lot and just about how bad I am at helping with that because. I know that there are some lifestyle changes that I should make so that I can be, uh, you know, just uh, not so much a part of the problem. I don't know if I can completely not be part of the problem, but, you know, a smaller part of the problem. Absolutely. But those damned habits. It's the habits. It's also like we live in a world that makes it so difficult when... Like even, mm. even 30 years ago, well, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, everything is like, it's always like 2010 in my mind. Um, it, there, <laughs> we used to be way more sustainable as a society. Like we used to have like a milkman that like came with refillable bottles of milk. With you know? glass bottles. Yeah. Yeah. We just used to be a sustainable, a more sustainable society. And society makes it so hard for us to do that i i would like to be better about it as well um my one thing that i that i try to do is like be sustainable with my clothing so Mm -hmm. um i try to only thrift and outside of thrifting i'll buy two new articles of clothing a season Mm -hmm. And those articles mm-hmm. have to be sustainable, sustainably made. So that's like my wow. little thing that I do. But I do most of the things I do. It's, it's not great. Well, you know, the little things count. It's sometimes the most, sometimes that's the best we can do are the little things. Um, I'm doing all right. I am almost done with my EP. That's I very exciting. Like, I'm mixing... Yeah, I'm mixing like one of the last songs today and then 
I think I'm going to record another. I think I've mentioned mentioned this. I think I'm going to record another because I want another upbeat song because I am not I'm not a fan of ballads. I just get bored with them. But I have several on this EP. <laughs> you were feeling um, a lot of feelings. And I don't like that. <laughs> there were so many feelings. Now, the ballads have a lot of groove to them, though. Like, they have to. So the ballads have big drums, and you can still bob your head to them because that's essential for me. But, um, yeah, so I'm almost done. That feels good. It has been a bit of a roller coaster as well because... You know, just being a musician is hard. <laughs> you know, it's we like... both we both had Mandy B's this week. I would say we both had yes. rough weeks. We were both very discouraged. Yes, we chatted on the phone yes. a couple times. So we did, we did. Like, oh but my! But also, God. someone Am on I TikTok, <laughs> someone on TikTok told <laughs> me it was because um, all the the planets were doing weird things. I've heard. I've heard that. Uh, Mer- <laughs> is it Mercury? Mercury is the one that gets in micro braids sometimes. <laughs> Mercury and, and micro. Mercury micro. went to the hair salon again, <laughs> and when it's just finished, because Mercury has a tender head, when it's just finished with the micro braids, it's when it's the worst. So oh we have to God. wait for the new growth, so that we, you know, things feel stable again. Right, yeah. The Mercury Follow is... Follow me for retro. more astrology <laughs> tips. <laughs> Mercury is in retrograde, but also, like, other planets are doing funny things, and there's some eclipses. There's going to be the eclipse in Scorpio in a few days. Um, I, I don't know anything about any of the things, but I know I'm a Scorpio, and I know eclipses mean wildness. <laughs> Does that things. mean that thing, things are going to get weird for you in particular or for everybody? For everyone, but me in particular. Oh, so, I see. Yeah. I look forward to taking notes about how weird you get when Scorpio experiences this eclipse. You know, I think I already had a rough week, so maybe it like got it out of the way early. We'll see. <laughs> Time will we'll tell. See. We'll report. And you back all will see as week. well in my forthcoming documentary that is only about Trish. <laughs> <laughs> I, I follow I follow Trish around during the Scorpio eclipse and take notes. Like we're on National Geographic. You know. That would be really fun. Let's do it. <laughs> Stay tuned, everyone. Coming to Netflix very soon. We're gonna get this picked up. Uh... All right, coming up, coming up after the break, we'll get into our conversation about AI. Don't go anywhere. Coins of electrum unexpected from the east and west. Land is on your on your own, so you must do your best. Find some money, 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 money. Food from the ground ain't in the south. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Hope and Heart Pills podcast. You were just listening to a song by me, Trisha's, called Money, where I talk about all the ways that we're exploited. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Um, and right now, we're also going to have a discussion about another way we might get exploited through AI. <laughs> <laughs> exploited or, or replaced, <laughs> I think. 
Some of well, us might I be think, further marginalized. <laughs> I think um, it, it seems to me that it is gearing towards a new form of exploitation of black people because yeah. it's exploiting black culture. Um, so we yeah. we decided to talk about this because a couple weeks ago, um, there was a really big AI Drake and The Weeknd collaboration that um, did, well, obviously it wasn't Drake or The Weeknd. It was their AI selves. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a track written by um, Ghostwriter977. Let me check yeah, my the, notes. the guy on TikTok, right? Who called himself Ghostwriter. <laughs> yeah. And I heard um, Jamel Bowie, he is a uh, New York Times writer. And he was talking about how throughout American history, American culture, um, the people in power and the people making money have found new innovative ways to exploit black culture without involving black people. And Mm -hmm. this, we don't know, we don't know the race of this ghost ghostwriter guy. Um, We don't know his identity. Mm -hmm. However, it brings up the question. And I think a question uh, that I've been thinking about a lot in the last few years, as there has been more and more of this kind of technology, about how non-black people and non-people of color can use this technology to sell the culture and image of mm-hmm. non uh, of black people and people of color without of, without involving them and without paying them. Uh, so that's what we're talking about today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a huge. This is such a huge topic. I I go back and forth about like whether or not I'm uh how concerned I am about AI. But when but on this particular angle of the subject, it just reminds me of Get Out, right? Like this is exactly the plot line to Jordan Peele's Get Out is that these white people want black characteristics. Mm. And they want to take them from black people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and inhabit the skin. And, and so kind of what you're seeing right now, I, I I just thought about a while back. Remember that virtual rapper that they created? I think he would I think he was in the metaverse. Right. This was a virtual rapper that was, was signed, signed to a record days. label. <laughs> yes, and then fired. Um <laughs> uh the story of FN Mecca. FN Mecca mm-hmm. was dropped from crap was Signed to Capitol Records, right? And just the most stereotypical Afrofuturistic-ish kind of avatar, by the way. You know. Um, so anyway, there's a big, there's a big uh there's a big uproar in the music industry, especially about, you know, the story that you just brought up with this this kind of like people being able to make songs with the voice of Kanye West, with the voice of Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I don't know how far it's going to get, but I do think that it is interesting to talk about this. Um, it also reminds me of that. Have you watched Altered Carbon 
on Netflix? No, I've never even heard of it. This is a sci-fi show where literally your consciousness is basically on a disc that's like in the back of your neck, right? Mm. And people literally switch bodies just by replacing this disc with your consciousness and putting it into a new skin, right? Wow. And (laughs) it's very interesting. It's a very interesting show. Now, I don't know that that's where we are, but um, where we are is, you know, the entertainment industry actually really being concerned about um, losing jobs to AI. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, what I are do your think thoughts? It, I do think that um, it seems like there is more interest in at least all of the AI stuff that I've seen have been in more of like the rap hip hop side of stuff or like, you know, the one mm-hmm. where they use Kanye's voice to like sing a plain white tea song. Um, yeah. but it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like there's a there's doesn't seem a big like there's a big market for like um singer songwriter AI like or right. country AI and if I do find Ed that Sheeran or Madonna or yeah right and it's like why do we want to hear Rihanna singing Beyonce and we want to hear like a fake Drake and it, it what I have seen mostly so maybe there's a bunch of other white people AI that's going on out there but I have mostly seen it been um mostly seen it in the the music culture world um as as black artists for the most part what does that say to you I think there's a novelty to it but I mm-hmm. think that black people have just been literally the existence of black people in America is for to commodify them, right? Like since the mm-hmm. that's the history of how um black people have been treated in America is as is as a commodity. Um mm-hmm. and so I think that that feels very like natural to people. Mm-hmm. Um but you know there's like like I think Grimes was saying feel free to use my voice and stuff. But I, I, I think it's, I'm not sure how it's going to work out in music because I think people do really like to identify with a human being. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I do think in other ways, like we were talking about the Levi's campaign. Um, I think in other mm-hmm. ways, it's going to actually just replace people of color instead of paying them um so the levi's thing was a few months ago they um they announced that they were going to test ai generated models to increase diversity (laughs) which i thought was so funny because like there is not a lack of black and brown models. Right. There's not. Of course not. Mm-hmm. So you're using images of black and brown people, images of people that don't exist, but you're using the image of a black and brown person to sell more products while mm. not 
paying black and brown people. It's just another way to to get out of paying black and brown people. And this, I do think, is going to be a lot easier to replace people because because I don't think people um, feel the, the same kind of... I don't think people need to have the same kind of emotional connection to a model as they do to an artist, right? And mm-hmm. I, I, I just think it, it's so, it's so strange for them to say it is almost for the sake of black and brown people to increase representation. When as they can't hire actual people. <laughs> exactly. Like Levi's just hire me. Excuse you want, you want some, yeah. you want some more culture? I'm here. <laughs> Well, I mean, I feel like we kind of talked about this last week with Trishna as well with the, you know, when we're talking, when we're talking about like uh, privilege and power, a lot of times people are like, oh, we don't know where to find black people. We don't know where to find, find black and brown people and all that kind of stuff. There's all this weirdness around just hiring, you know, marginalized people to do these jobs. And the thing that like... I. I actually do feel concerned. Like, I feel it in my body. Like, because with the model thing in particular, the story you sent me, and I can't remember her name, the name that they made up, but people were interacting with this CGI model online, believing that this was an actual person. And the company even pretended, like, created a hoax where this CGI model, this artificial person's, Instagram account got hacked and people were concerned for this person who did not exist. Who's actually, Oh, what a young white guy who created Mm this, um, dark skinned CGI model. And people, a lot of people didn't know that this was not a a real person. No, it was a real person. So this is, this is actually a story from a few years ago. So it's interesting to see how, Mm -hmm. um, things have developed. But this was Shudu Shudugram, and mm-hmm. she was a dark-skinned model, and she wore um, she wore clothing associated with uh, with South African people. But she was created by some like twenty-eight-year-old white guy, um, mm-hmm. and. It's funny. There's a quote in this article from him where he's just like, oh, yeah, I didn't really think about that. Like, I didn't really think about the fact that I was maybe appropriating a culture and like. Yeah, that is digital blackface, uh, you know, in a more extreme form than, you know, we usually see it with gifts and memes and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. But the thing that I am, the thing that makes me concerned about this is first off. Okay, for, with the music industry in mind, right? Like, it's already an exploitative business, mm-hmm. you know, an exploitative industry. Just like, you know, it's it's capitalism. So, you know, but, you know, musicians, songwriters already, if you're not in the top 1% of artists, are already, you know, you know, not not making a ton of money just from creating music, right? Mm-hmm. And so the ability to, you know, create new intellectual property that uses, you know, the voice, the 
some of the only tools that Black people have historically had to to actually create a a life for themselves, right, has been athletics, entertainment, music, that I I think it's kind of possible. But two things come to mind. One is I saw a video the other day, Black man from the music industry, can't remember his name right now, but he said, y'all are worried about the wrong thing. Y'all are worried about Drake and all these other people. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about someone could confess to crime using my voice. Someone could call my kids and say, hey, daddy's outside. You know, come on. And they're going to come up because, because they hear their father's voice, right? Oh, my That's God. One. That's one. Because we already know that a lot of white people tend to think that machines are unbiased. They are neutral and all that kind of stuff. But not realizing that machines that are programmed in a racist society by people who hold racist ideas, especially those who are holding racist ideas and aren't aware of them, Mm -hmm. will program their racism into these machines. As we've already seen, um, we've already been seeing stories like that over the past years. And what people will continue to do is what they do today and say, oh, racism's not a problem. It's a machine, right? right? So, I mean, that is one thing. We've already seen AI, you know, racially profile people, you know. Um, so that's one. The other thing that I keep thinking about with this is how uh, since the beginning, the type of capitalism that we live under, I don't know if there are other capitalisms, but I'm just saying that to be safe. <laughs> the, <laughs> type of capitalism that we live under has always wanted the cheapest labor force possible, right? That's why, that's why enslavement existed, right? And now here comes this, the possibility that people can, you know, get AI to do jobs that humans would usually be uh, hired for. And this is something that Dr. King a lot of people who don't, I mean, a lot of people don't go deep into Dr. King's writing, but Dr. King wrote about not AI, but just about how important it was to address racism in light of advances in technology because mm-hmm. he was looking down the line and seeing, yeah, I mean, by the time we even get there where this uh, revolution of values could happen, you know, we're going to be behind the machines. (laughs) You know, like people will hire, that companies are going to get machines to handle the labor that they usually would hire black people to do anyway. And I think that's a part of the conversation. Not I think, I've been hearing that's a part of the conversation with the writer's strike that's going on right now, is that a part of it is the same stuff that writers have been, TV writers have been wanting, which is, you know, better wages, uh, shorter exclusive contracts, all those kinds of things. But part of it is a preventative against, you know, <laughs> uh, what do you call them again? We'll just call them companies for, for now. These companies getting AI to write scripts, oh, you know, or write outlines for scripts or whatever, you know, like uh, that's that's what they are striking. That's a part of what's going into this, this writer's strike that's happening right now. So those are two things that actually do concern me. And I feel those concerns in my body. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like what concerns me 
so much is the idea that when when we have some sort of representation, people tend to think that things are better than they are. And that's when we have like real people representing a community, right? <laughs> that's when there's like real actual people. Yeah. So now there's going to be fake black and brown people, fake like mixed race people. Like it seemed like with the, with the Levi's thing, like they really wanted to go for like an ethnically ambiguous look kind mm. of thing. So we're going to, people are going to have this false sense of progress from seeing more black and brown faces, hearing more black and brown art that's not actually created by black and brown people. And it's going to create an illusion of diversity while yeah. not impacting actual diversity. And I, you know, that was like the Obama effect, right? Like people being like, yeah. well, we had a black president, so racism's over. Yeah. If these if these corporations who couldn't find black and brown people, even though they're like all around, um, there's yeah. two right here. Um, <laughs> they <laughs> hire us, Levi's. This entire thing is just for Levi's to hire me. Um, <laughs> so, you know, people thought racism was over and... I think if culture is flooded with with fake representation, then we're going to have an even more difficult fight for real representation. There's already only so few modeling jobs for black and brown people. And now there's yeah. going to be less, right? Yeah. But the point you made about the the ways that it can be used for violence, that's terrifying. I have not thought about that. Yeah, I mean, as I'm listening to you, it just comes back to me to, to think that, like, this is something that Dr. King was talking about as well, that we need a revolution of values. Because if we, don't, if we don't have change, uh, a shift in our common sense, in the values that we have and all those kinds of things, then we're going to keep perpetuating the same, the same you know, mm -hmm. forms of racism and exclusion with yeah. better technology, right? Yeah. There, there actually is a famous quote that Dr. King has that I can't, that I can't repeat because I don't remember it off, but he talks about how we have the, we're, we are advancing in technology at such, a, at such a rapid rate, but we are not progressing um, spiritually at the same rate, you know, for lack of a better term. Right. And what makes me think of this is that when you talk about, you know, the illusion of diversity, that's nothing new, right? Corporations and companies have been doing that forever, right? They want mm -hmm. to, they once, once it became socially unacceptable to just outright discriminate against people, just saying like, nah, you're brown, get out of here, you can't work here, you know? <laughs> like once you couldn't do that anymore, like, okay, they start having brown, black and brown faces in high places but the structure is still white. The structure still serves white interests. The, the, the constituencies they're still most concerned with are white. The customers they're still most concerned with are white, right? And coming out of evangelicalism, I know this very well with multi-ethnic churches, that tons of multi-ethnic churches with black and brown faces in the pews, on the stage, all that kind of stuff, but the leadership is white, the music mm -hmm. is white, Jesus is white, 
you know, mm. um, because those spaces, as one scholar said, are established as white institutional space first. Right. The other thing that came to mind to me, the other thing that came to mind to me was, you know, there was a time where when you went to the theater to see a play, if there was a black person, if there was a black character, it was a white person with shoe polish on their face. Right. You feel me? <laughs> so, you know, it's just bringing back to me that, like, until we have that kind of revolution of values, that revolution of common sense, our advances in technology are just going to better equip us to keep doing, keep playing the same game. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. Like, thinking about the different variations of blackface, it's almost like, oh, we can't do that one anymore. Let's try to figure out a, a new <laughs> way we can do it that people, like, won't be mad about. <laughs> Which is so This is so definitely a... This is definitely a, a TikTok sketch, sketch, sketch <laughs> where you're just in different times in history going, no, that's blackface. You can't do that. <laughs> I think we got to make a skit, Andre. I think we're going to have to make a skit. We got to do it for the TikTok. <laughs> no, that's, no, that's blackface. That's blackface. But I do, I do really, the thing that, that does make me a bit concerned is we do not have a culture and society based on mutuality and care right now. Mm -hmm. So the desire to get the cheapest labor possible from those who have most of the wealth, I just don't feel, I don't have any reason to look at the way, the trajectory that we've been on and think that you know, these people will try to use AI to give us more leisure, right? Um, and a, a comfortable life, but that on the trajectory that we're on, that people are more likely to think in ways that will marginalize folks who need work, you know, since yeah. that's the system that we're, that we're in. Yeah. Um, I have a sort of a big, a big question for you. It's bigger than this episode. Sure. sure. Why do you think that um, America loves black culture and not black people? Mm. Like, why? why do we want to? Why do we want to sell black culture? Because the funny thing is, mm -hmm. it's really to sell to white people. It's it's yeah, like for sure. It's to sell to white people. And I, I'm just curious about it. Well, I mean, I do think that part of that is just straight up the programming of anti-blackness, right? Like a lot of people have trouble seeing us as full human beings just like they are, you know? Um. So I think like anti-blackness has in it contempt, right? But but why but is it like I love this one? Is, I love this part of you, but I don't love the rest of you. Like I don't think they see it as part of us, though. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't think they see it as part of us. I think that 
somehow there is kind of this well also also you don't have to love people you're stealing from that's kind of the point right is like yeah that's true you know i was i was reading some stuff from the colonizers yesterday actually no way <laughs> early this morning it was like 2 or 3 in the morning and I'm up reading these papers from colonizers. And they, they, one of them said something. I think it was Leopold. King Leopold the II uh, of Belgium, y'all. I think it was him who said, he wrote a letter to these missionaries and said, listen, these people already know God. <clears throat> You're not going to be able to teach them anything about God what we have to do is Christianize them, <laughs> you know, mm. so, or we'll never be able to control Africa. Mm. Right. Um, I'm paraphr- I'm paraphrasing. And I say that to say that I think that so often we tell these stories about racism as though things are, things are being done out of benign ignorance. But these people who built the system knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah. Right. And I think the leaders of that system, they, I don't think that they actually dis, uh, had a visceral contempt for African people and Africanness. Right. Right. I think yeah. that as they constructed the system and the discourses got stronger and stronger that yes, those things became common sense for people and people feel those things in their bodies without even necessarily knowing that that's what they're feeling. But I don't think that's the case. And so I'm taking the long road to say they knew exactly what they were doing. And I don't think that they hated African culture. I think that they stole that gold. They stole that art, all of the kind of stuff because they looked at it and they, and they were like, this is good. This is good stuff. You mm-hmm. know, we're going to take it back with us. And I think that when folks who are outside of uh, the black community you know, when you listen to jazz and hip hop and um, even rock, you know, which came from the black community, house music came from the black community, techno came from the black community, you know, all of these things, these art forms are just good, you know? Yeah. And I think p- part of the contempt for us is yeah. to take what is good from us while denigrating and demonizing and marginalizing, right? I think there's also just a jealousy there. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. I could see that. And I've I've heard that from like, you know, I've heard that from, I've heard that, you know, there's one, have you heard of uh, Francis Cress Wilsing? Wesling? I can't remember. No. She she was a famous, uh, I think she was a sociologist or psychologist. Um, but black woman and like her whole theory was around, you know, this kind of envy that white people have of black people. Now I'm leery of, I'm leery of some of her points cause I think she's a black supremacist, but, um, <laughs> Got it. but I have heard, or she was a black supremacist, I think. Um, but I, I have heard that before and I do wonder about that. I mean, there are some. You know, we're going way into it. Probably we need to wrap this up soon. But, um, you know, there are some people who, when you look at the way that Black people were treated 
especially like when you look at like Jim Crow, Jim Crow era, like why are these white men so obsessed with the black male genitalia? Why are they so obsessed with, you know, seeing what it looks like, Yeah, you know, mutilating, you know, and all that kind of stuff, you know, and this is where, you know, people talk about like this kind of jealousy between, you know, uh, between, not between, but on the part of one race toward the other. So I don't know how we wrap this one up. <laughs> uh, I think the, the only other thing that it made me think of was, so the confines of white supremacy also confine white people um, in yes. order to maintain that structure. And I was thinking about how um, like love, love matches, love romantic ro- relationships happened um, way earlier in black communities and communities of color in America than for white people because white people were in this structure of marriage for um, marriage for power and status. Mm -hmm. And because uh, black and brown people did not, were not able to participate in that um, Mm -hmm. black and brown people could have have romantic relationships that were based on love and how, how that, that confine that was placed on themselves was, Mm. um, was something that actually is a position that would, would make, would make white people envy black and brown people because, because black and brown people did not need to, participate in the um that that particular part of white supremacy culture yeah i could see that Okay, you were just listening to Caesars by Trishis. Welcome back. Do you know what time it is, Andre? I think I might. I might have an idea. Today, we are doing a special Met Gala edition of the Culture Quiz. Oh my gosh. All right. Culture Quiz Met Gala edition, where we are going to, we're going to get to know more about Carl Lagerfeld. Who Um, is that? Okay. So this year's Met Gala theme was Carl Lagerfeld, A Line of Beauty. But if you're not familiar with this man, he is deeply problematic but yet they i saw jamila they... jamil post something about this and i didn't know what she was talking about so i'm about to learn we're about to learn about carl all right question one which of the following did lagerfeld not 
say. This is multiple choice. You ready? Mm-hmm. A, no one wants to see fat women on the runway. Mm-hmm. B, if you don't want your pants pulled about, don't become a model. Wow. C, <laughs> C <laughs> sweatpants are a sign of defeat. You lost control of your life, so you bought some sweatpants. Or D, there is no age group because age group is racism in a way, too. Hmm. What do you think? I'm going to go with D. He did, in fact, say that. He did say that. He yes. did? Um, okay. He did say that. I he was just choosing say... the least terrible thing. <sighs> he did not say no one wants to see fat women on the runway. He, in fact, said mm. no one wants to see curvy women on the runway. Well, that's just a <laughs> lie. <laughs> I think it I think it is as well. Um That's just so a yeah. Lie. He's not a great guy. Um there was also just a really funny one that I want to repeat here. Uh because I enjoyed it. He also said, "I have never been friends with a short man in my life. Don't trust them. They are mean and they want to kill you." Um <laughs> All of them. <laughs> For the record, I for those listening, I I I like to see curvy women everywhere. I like all. I mean, not a preference. I just if if I were Dr. Seuss, I would be writing about how like I want to see them on a train. I want to see them on a plane. (laughs) I want to see them them in the air. I want to see them everywhere. (laughs) I think I've just found my calling to write children's books. I think that could work out for you, to be honest. Um, Okay. Many celebrities like Doja Cat and Jared Leto came to the gala dressed as Lagerfeld's famous cat. How -hmm. much money did Lagerfeld leave his cat instead of giving it to literally any charity? A, $55,000. B, $120,000. C, $560,000 or D, $1.2 million. I'm going to go with C. $560,000? That mm-hmm. is incorrect. He left his cat $1.2 million. Now, what is this cat supposed to do with this money? It's a very luxurious cat, lives a luxurious cat life. I do not know. I think that is the worst thing ever. This cat better gonna... have opposable thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> it People better. I love this cat. He like based like designs off this cat and stuff. I don't know. Overall weird guy. This cat is um... living like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Meanwhile. Give us some, some money. Of us, exactly, some of us don't know how we're are a little bit stressed about paying the rent next month. It's also like cats like literally need so little that why? Yeah. Like. Yeah. Anyways, this cat has little, enough to retire. This cat's whole life has been retirement. I don't understand. <laughs> like, just give him to another wealthy person. He'll live the same life. You know? All right. Last question here. Um, so I think you're you're 0 for 2 right now. Uh, let's see if you mm-hmm. can redeem yourself on this last one. 
Probably not. Locker? <laughs> <laughs> but at least you're getting an idea of who this guy was. Um, <laughs> Lagerfeld dressed a model in blackface in what year? A. 1982. B. 1999. C. 2002. Or D. 2010. I don't know. I'm going to guess D. There you go. Congratulations. <laughs> you got one point. He, um, Look he at did that. dress, he did dress a white model in blackface with an Afro. Um, and then he dressed her as an Asian woman. I was going to ask why we, why white people do that, but I wrote a whole chapter in my book about why white <laughs> people do things that they do. Non-black people do the things that they do. For the fun of it, for the thrill of it. <laughs> They're like, oh, black people, y'all don't like this? <laughs> this is going to be so much fun. Yeah, so that's the guy they, they decided to all um, dress up as and commemorate over the weekend. And now I understand why Jamila Jamil posted what she did, because she was saying, yeah, so you all are just showing how much you really don't care. Yep. I wonder if she was there. I'm assuming she wasn't there since she posted that. But I was kind of thinking, like, if I got invited, like, I would go. <laughs> would you be mad at me? I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't have known who that guy was, so, you know. Knowing if I got invited and I went, would you, like, lose respect for me? I don't know. I'm going to have to reflect on that. <laughs> reflect on <laughs> that, get weekend. back to me. Yeah, I'm like, I'll tell you. Like... I don't know. I don't get invited to those kind of things. That's very true. We do not. <laughs> it would be good Maybe for the podcast. Maybe one day we will. <laughs> It'd be good for the podcast. Oh, I could my have done gosh. a full report when I got back. Um, That's anyways, true. this has been this has been lovely, Andre. This has been great as always. Everyone, thanks for listening to the Open Heart Pills podcast this time. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you. And uh, we're going to send it over to Ross, who's going to say all the mysterious things uh, wow. to us, but, but <laughs> clarifying things to you about how to keep in touch and follow us and all that kind of thing. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for choosing to listen today. You can catch up with our hosts online. Trish's is at Trish's Music, that's spelled T-R-I-S-H-E-S, Music, on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Andre is at the Andre Henry on Instagram and TikTok, and at Andre Henry on Twitter. Catch the songs you heard today and more of their music on Spotify. If you'd like to support what we're doing here and see the video of Andre and Trish's conversation, you can join the Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Andre Henry. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.